Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the Story Not Forgotten podcast. We are brought to you by Capturing Legacies, because everyone has a story to tell, and it's time to tell yours. Visit CapturingLegacies.com to find out how we can help. My name is Liam Rathgaber, partner and anthologist with Capturing Legacies, as well as your host. And my guest today is a uh, one of the most decorated and one of the most celebrated professional wrestlers in the history of the sport. Uh, he got his start in Calgary with Stampede Wrestling before going on to international superstardom with the WWF, WCW, WWE. In his career, he's held 32 championships. Uh, he's headlined WrestleMania on three different occasions. Uh, he's a shoe-in, obviously. He's in the uh, in the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame as well as the Amateur Wrestling Hall of Fame. Um, in an industry that was really built on hyperbole and exaggeration, there's nobody that would ever argue that he lived up to it when they called him the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be, Brett the Hitman Hart. Brett? Great to be here. Thanks. Well, because we do what we do without any ado, why don't you tell us a story? Um, well, my story that I was going to tell was just one that was I just kind of thought about, but it was funny how, um, you know, like people say, how, when did you, when did you get into wrestling? And what, you know, like, when did you know you were going to be a wrestler? It's like, you know, I think I, I was always going to be a wrestler. Like I was destined for it. Like, well, I could, it didn't matter what I did, I was going to get steered into wrestling. And so many different times and periods in my life where it's like, it's like, how do I how do I end up doing this? But it's like I I um like I can remember at school, like I didn't know much about wrestling other than what I watched on TV, like any other kid. Anyway, I wrestled with my brothers on on Sunday nights and stuff like that. But play around and but we're supposed to be little shooters. You know, we all know how to wrestle. Everyone in the family knows how to wrestle. His dad teaches them and all this stuff. Not necessarily true. But uh, I remember at school as a, as a kid, um, like wrestling kids, like we'd, a fight would break out and it's like I'd just leg trip him and take him down and put him in a sleeper hold or something and, and or put him in a hammerlock and make him tap out and put him in a Boston Crab or s- stuff like that all the time. I put a guy in a camel clutch when I was <laughs> a, about grade four. Pretty pretty good fight I had with somebody on the playground or soccer field or you know, just but wrestling was always like, and I can always remember guys like he knows that wrestling stuff from his dad and all. It's like, no, I don't. I learned that on Stampede Wrestling on Saturday. You know, <laughs> but I mean, things like that were all my life. Uh, you know, I I also remember wrestling in high school, and uh, you know the the I can remember wrestling a kid that was um, an American. I was undefeated, which I talked about uh, maybe earlier about uh, doing an interview with Ed Whalen on Stampede Wrestling. And it might have been this specific time. Is I was at undefeated in high school at this time period. I didn't stay undefeated, I don't think, that year. It was also the year I think I broke my collarbone. But uh, anyway, at that time I was undefeated. It was a few months after Christmas, and uh, maybe a month after Christmas. And I was my dad had asked me how I was doing or something. I said, still undefeated. Nobody's pinned me yet in high school yet and uh, so I had an interview with Ed Willen down there and it was just always like things like that it's like you wonder how I got into wrestling like it's like that's how it all happened and uh, <clears throat> I also remember 
wrestling a kid, and he was he was an American kid, and uh, he was California State champion, and which is I don't know how great California State is in wrestling back in the seventies. This would be about seventy three or seventy four. But they've got a lot of people, so you need to be you need to know something in order to get to the top. Well, you can only good be as good as the guy that beats you, or vice versa. And uh, you know, I, I think you know I was like I said undefeated, so I was the guy to beat kind of thing. And this kid was California State champion, and uh, we started wrestling, and uh, he was he was really good. He was much better than I was. Like, he would have beat me. Well, we give a good fight, and he was really cocky and really. Um, just like you think, the American, the brash, blonde-haired, sort of cocky American that thought he was better and knew he was better than me and was going to kind of hum- humble me in front of my school or whatever. And so he was beating me on points and um, and not he wasn't pinning me or anything. I was defensively holding my own, but he was he had pointed me about maybe well, even six two or something or six one. He was he was up a pretty good space on me and. Uh, I wasn't getting very far. He was a really good defensive wrestler, and I couldn't seem to get point. Every time I tried to score on him, he would score on me, and it was going to end up kind of not in my favor. But somewhere in there, he got behind me, and he stuck his finger in my mouth. I remember he stuck my... And he did it to pull my head back while he had me down. And I remember the first time he did it, it was like kind of stunned me because he stuck his finger right in and really yanked my whole head, which is kind of a pro wrestling trick. Mm -hmm. And I knew when he did it, I thought, oh, that wasn't right. Like and then he, I waited a second and I kept my head down in that down position and he tried it again. He stuck his finger in and did it again. And when he did it again, I, I bit on his finger as hard as I could. And and uh, and it's funny because um, when uh, just before that had happened, he, we had been wrestling. We went, both were by the timekeeper table with a point with the referee or wherever they keep score. But I remember we double hip tossed each other like two pro wrestlers but we both went he tried to throw me into the table and I tried to throw him into the table and we both went flying into the tail and tipped it over and they had to stop everything and it was like they they kind of warned us then that we would tone it down a bit that we're getting a little too aggressive but he was beating me and we, we, I didn't like him and I was trying really hard and, and then that's when he did the thing with the, the finger and uh, when he stuck his finger in my mouth the second time and I bit it he got I don't know why he, he was beating me. And he was, <laughs> but he is it okay to swear on this. Oh yeah. So all of a sudden he just he goes, this fucking guy bit my fucking finger, and he pushed off my back, and he threw a whole tantrum on the this fucking guy bit my fucking finger, and he the coach is like, wait, you know, and anyway, he kept losing it, and then the coach or not the coach, the referee goes, you're kicked, you're disqualified for your bad language kicked him and they, <laughs> and they suspended him and kicked him out of amateur wrestling for good and I never had to wrestle him I ended up winning everything that year and I always go that guy would have won everything if he just shut up that day you know he had me beat on points and uh, so he could have got away with fish hooking you but the language is what pushed him yeah <laughs> and I remember they, they tried to they tried to get it where it was like we're both suspended for because I bit him and they go they tried to say well why did you bite him and I said I didn't bite him he stuck his finger in my mouth why would I bite him <laughs> And they go, I said, I can't help it if somebody sticks their finger in my mouth. I said, I just happened to be closing my mouth at the same time that he was sticking his finger in my mouth. What am I going to do? I said, that's not my fault. And uh, they were like, well, he shouldn't be sticking his finger in your mouth anyway. And Anyway, it was just kind of funny um, how wrestling 
as a kid, always sort of presented himself in different ways in in my my real world, which is not pro wrestling, and uh, you know, but it always was. And uh, another example of that is say around the same time period, maybe maybe a year later, um, I was um, one of the city. I was, it was former city champion. I was having trouble that year because it was a really good wrestler from Central Memorial called Bob Backlund or Bob Eklund, I'm sorry. But he was a really good, uh, really great wrestler. Ended up being a Canadian national champion. And we had beat each other. I think when our when we finally had our last match, which was in, I think he was in university and I was in college, we were tied. When it was over, we were tied. He had beat him three times and he beat me three times or something like that. We had a, but he was better at the end than I was. He was, he got, he was, he was a world-class wrestler and, uh, you know, I was a good wrestler, don't get me wrong, and I'm proud of what I did, but Bob Eklund was a better wrestler, and I was more, a little more dedicated to that field than I was. But we had some great classic matches, and uh, you know, against each other. And um, anyway, I had, um, I had um, wrestled in the cities at, um, I'm trying to remember the school, um, Anyway, it was um, in Calgary here, and I had placed, uh, I got second, and I got beaten by a guy, and there was a guy on my team, a guy named Larry Rinky. He was, his brother was a boxer for the Canadian Olympic team back in the, around that same time period. They were scrappy, tough guys, and Larry was blind, totally, total, total blind, but he was, a really good wrestler and really strong and uh, he wanted to be a wrestler and they let him wrestle and he competed and he held his own with everybody. He was really, really good for a guy that was blind. But I practiced with Larry every day at, at uh, he was at my school and I, uh, he, I was like basically the captain and the coach of my team if I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken. And we had some really good wrestlers on my team but we couldn't get a teacher to sponsor us so I kind of ended up doing all the teaching and all the, I did everything including uniforms for the team and everything, but I um, I had placed. Um, I'm told I'm telling the story right, but I had, had placed second, and I, I was just exhausted. And I got they were going to take. I knew that I was. I ended up winning the provincials the next week, but the cities I, I lost to a guy that I underestimated, and I lost to him. And um, I was kind of mad, but at the same time, I just wanted to go home and. I had beat everyone that was left in the tournament. And so I had won the silver. And I was, that gave me, qualified me to take first and second to the provincials in those days. I was probably about 171 or 172 weight class or 75 or so, whatever the weight classes were in those days. 177, I think, is what it was. And uh, Larry Rinke was already eliminated. He got eliminated in that tournament. And I remember some coaches had started to, drift around at the end of the, because the tournament was just about over. And it was on, uh, I think it was on a Friday and Saturday night or maybe maybe a Wednesday, Thursday or something. But I remember it was um, all the media, funny enough, in those days. I remember the some of the media guys from uh, like CFCN and CFAC and all that were there to do the little interview. We're here at the city championships mm-hmm. or whatever. The sports guy was there. A couple of them. It was quite a, like, I remember there was quite a few media people there. And I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. They're covering the wrestling and all that stuff. And uh, 
Anyway, they're going to give the medals out in a few minutes and the last three or two or three matches are taking place. And uh, so these coaches are running around and going, he's still got to wrestle Larry Rinky, his teammate. And I go, he's already been eliminated. So I remember Larry goes, I think they're going to make us wrestle and all that. And I remember pulling him aside. I said, Larry, I said, they're going to make us wrestle. You're already eliminated. Go home. Just get in your car and you know, get out of here. Just get, you know, and then there's no, there can't be, if you've left, there is no match. I said, well, you know, all you can do is if you wrestle me, you could maybe beat me and then you're going to eliminate me and some other kid from another school is going to go in. You're like, you want to do that? You want to eliminate your, I helped you all year, you know. And Larry was like, he was just too straight a guy. He was like, no, I got If they say I got to wrestle you, I have to wrestle, you know. Anyway, they, they came up and they said, yeah, we were, you know, I remember they turned all the, they were getting ready to give the medals out and there was no matches left for quite a while. Everyone's like sh- waiting around and all of a sudden they go, there's one more match. <laughs> and it's like, everyone's like, well, we just want the medals. And it's like, um, no, there's one more match, everybody. Just hang on. And all of a sudden, and Larry was had already done a couple of news stories in the city and everyone knew the story about the, this great little tough little amateur wrestler that's blind. So I remember people said, when did you have your first bad guy wrestling match? I go, I had my first bad guy wrestling match against Larry Rinky at that school that night. And it was totally real. And it was so funny to, to, I was totally the heel. I remember like, I was so tired too. And I was cranky because I didn't have a good weekend wrestling that. And I, I was better wrestler than I, than I, than I did that weekend. But I was so mad at Larry because I told him to get out and he was stalling. He was so psyched up. He wanted to beat me so bad with all the cameras there. and everybody. It would have been a big feather in his cap to beat me. And they were all filming. Everyone was like, it was like, it was the story. It wasn't about the cities anymore. It's about this, you know, great blind kid. And his brother was an Olympic boxer. And he's going to fight this pro wrestler's son. And I remember I walked out and the place was all booze. And I remember I saw him. <laughs> and I was a pretty good wrestler in my own right. And I was pretty mad at Larry and it's like this is and I was like now let's let's have this match you know I'm gonna I'm gonna give Larry everything I got and uh, I wrestled my best match that night I pinned Larry in about maybe 45 seconds or so <laughs> but it was uh, always a funny memory to me is how um, you know, I was a real villain I got to feel it like people say oh, I was like when you were a bad guy and I was like I knew what it was like when I was six, seventeen <laughs> in high school, and uh, it there's a it was always it's always made me laugh how exact they were. They were exactly the same thing. And another like one sort of last story, which is the original story I was going to tell you, but uh, for this, but uh, I thought I'd give you some different stories I haven't really told before. But um, there was a girl that had a crush on me at the wrestling matches. There was another sort of side of it is I used to go to the wrestling matches and I wrestling, I almost had like two alter, I had an alter ego. I don't know if a lot of kids are like that or maybe they are or they aren't. I I think it's cool if you, if you relate to it. Cause I was at Bret Hart at Wildwood Elementary School, just Bret Hart from one of the Hart brothers. And you know, I was nobody special. Like girls didn't like me or anything special about me. I had a few, I had friends and I was sort of went under the radar all most of the time. And, but at the wrestling matches, that's a whole different guy. I go down to the wrestling matches, I'm Stu Hart's kid. I'm the baddest guy. I'm the baddest seven-year-old that ever put on a <laughs> pair of basket masters, you know. And, I'm, and I would, I believe, like, I don't know what it was. It was like I had to be tougher because it was wrestling and my dad. And, all, and I had a whole different persona, 
You have to carry the family name. Yeah, and I had, you know, and it's like everything from talking to the policeman, like, you know, outside the dressing room, you know, can you get my dad? And it was like, I had a lot of authority and stuff, or Ed Whalen talking to me, or, you know, but it was like um, being a little bit of like a star. Uh, it's kind of hard to explain, but I had a whole different bravado about myself and talking to girls. I wasn't afraid to talk to girls, and I had girls that had crushes on me, and all the time, girl, girls fighting over me, fist fights, <laughs> like nasty fights where I'm like, wow, I don't want, now I don't want either one of them. You know, like stuff like that. But I mean, it makes me laugh now when I remember one girl that had a super crush on me. There were two not very good looking girls that were at the rest of the matches. Two kind of homely, scraggy looking things that uh, were absolutely googly eyed in love with me or just crazy about me. And they went to my high school. And they were always kind of just hanging around and giggling and kind of chasing me or following me. or And somewhere in there, because I, I mean, my, my dad always taught me to always be nice to every, every, be nice to every fan. Mm -hmm. You know, just that's the way it is. You know, they, they all come down and just be, always be nice to remember who you are and who puts the food on your table. And we owe everything to the people that come to the show. And so I was always nice, but, you know, it was one of those things where the nicer I was, the, um, the more infatuated they got where then they got where it's like they thought it'd be cute to sort of run up and attack me all the time and stick snow down my coat collar and then when I turned around because I was never like what, what that would piss anybody off you know mm -hmm. after a while and they kept doing it all the time and then they'd run off laughing and sometimes I'd almost like want to chase them down that's how I even start to chase them like you know want to grab them or do something that comes like I was getting really annoyed by it and they'd do it at the wrestling matches and they'd, and they'd, they'd giggle and act silly all the time but I was only about 15, 16 and uh, anyway and they went to my high school and I see them in the hallway and I was always you're at that age I would always super rude to them get, get the hell away from me you stupid you know and I'd swear at them and say call names and leave me alone you you know and I was never very nice to them but, you know, they were always at the show. Like, there was a point where it got to be kind of a real annoying kind of thing, you know. No more Mr. Nice Guy with them. And uh, they never ever took it as a... They were always like, it would happen again, the snow down the collar. And, <laughs> you know, it just was ongoing. And then uh, I remember I was, it was um, the turkey. It might have been the Christmas thing. You know, it was the Christmas uh, break. And... I wasn't in all the, they had a Christmas play and they had a Christmas dinner all afternoon served in the, in the gymnasium at the school and everyone in the school, high school had sold tickets for it and it was a big event and we all got out I think at noon and I remember it was like Christmas holiday and I was done. I was waiting for my dad to pick me up at lunchtime and I was just there by myself and um, they showed up and it was one of those kind of like like now where there's a bit of a Chinook where there wasn't much snow out there and it wasn't really but there had been and there was lots of ice outside and so instead of getting a big nice friendly ball of snow they went out and got a bunch of like uh, you know icicles and <laughs> sharp pieces of ice like almost like um, glass and and uh, they came up and rammed that down my back and my neck again while I was sitting there talking to somebody like talking to a girl or something and I remember I, I was so mad, I jumped up. And I remember it was like, I was so mad. And I remember just, I ran over and I 
grabbed her and I picked her up, one of them. And I didn't know what to do with her. And I picked her up and we had a big giant, like I don't know if you can sort of see from this podcast if, you know, how big this couch is, but we had a big um, big fountain, mm-hmm. like a big, like a, looked like a jacuzzi, but it was round as big as this couch, bigger with something griffin in the middle of it or something like that for the school emblem. And it was filled up to your, went up to your waist with water. And I just walked over and I remember there was a, a teacher. He was the, uh, not the vice principal, but the next thing down. I don't know what you call him, but he was the finance guy or something like that. But I remember he was like, he looked at me and it was like, he, he kind of like thought I was joking. And I just remember I just picked her up and dropped her right in the hole. <laughs> just dropped her, her head going under the water and coming up. And it was like, <laughs> she came up and all that. And it was like, pretty cold outside and all that. And he ran away. He was like, I can't believe you did that. You know, and he really got mad. He lost it. And he. then I remember I was like, I thought it was in like, I had no idea there was anybody there. I thought everyone from the school had left. Like it was, it just was so funny to drop her in that, that thing. And uh, he, um, and he looked at me, he looked around, he goes, just clean it up and I don't got to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> and so, Anyway, the the part I remember was going to say was that the same girl was at the wrestling matches and uh, the most embarrassing thing you could ever think of. But she always come up and I, in those days I was of course just I used to work the door for my dad at the ticket like at the gate where mm-hmm. you came through the front doors. And uh, I remember she came up and it was a an intermission or something like that. She just came up and she was standing right there, and I went. Get the fuck out of here and leave me the fuck alone, you fucking idiot. You know, like I remember I said, but I was really as mad. And I was, I'd had enough of her. And she was driving me crazy and uh, I really lost it, which was unprofessional, but I was only about 16 and I was not trying to win it, win anybody over that day. And I just remember she goes, I just wanted to introduce you to my dad. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, you son of a bitch. And he, and I was like, holy shit. What a mistake. And anyway, I felt so bad. And he, he chewed me out. And then I remember he, I, I felt terrible. I mean, I was busted right there. And his name was Jim Irvin was his name. And he ended up becoming a photographer for some of my first days in wrestling. He took really good pictures. But his, anyway, the thing was about that, he went with her to the seat. He was so mad. He was like ready to punch me out. And he probably could. He, I was just a kid, so who knows what would. But he was, he was, you know, and rightfully so. He, he didn't like anyone talking to his daughter like that. And anyway, he came up to me as the show went on. He came up and he said, I apologize for losing my cool back there. I had to know you guys were joking around. <laughs> she goes, she, anyway, she goes, yeah, he jokes around like that with me all the time. He was just, <laughs> We're all, you know, anyway, like we're, we're like best of friends and, you know, we all see, you know, I dropped her in the fountain and all this stuff. You know, and she, anyway, she went to bath for me and kind of made out like, and I guess in her own, her own mind, she, she always thought that it was all in fun, like that I was never serious. And, you know, I ended up, you know, and, and we actually kind of became, you know, okay with each other after that because it was like, oh yeah, that funny time with your dad, you know, it was like, <laughs> You know, but uh, anyway, so that's those are my stories for you. Just kind of laying out some of how 
wrestling sort of always impacted my life, even in ways where it's like you you never think it would. And how, you know, I never hold in my mind a whole lot different from uh, like school fights. You know, I can remember school fights that, you know, like we're sitting in my classroom at like get waiting for the 3.30 bell to ring and uh, everyone in my, all the girls in my class are looking at me wiping tears out of their eyes and stuff like, you're going to get killed. You know, and it's like, no, I'm not. And I was like, <laughs> you know, it's like, you just kind of knew. It's like, I remember thinking, always thought out my, my, my wrestling matches. I would always map out what I was going to do almost like choreograph in my mind what, what's going to happen and how I want to pace my match and the moves I'm going to do at the end. And, I mean, there's a certain thought process that goes into building your 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 fight plan, even in pro wrestling or, or any fight. Um, and I, you know, when I think back to school fights and, and things like that, it was like, there was so much of that, like planning how you're going to beat, the, you know, you're working against, fighting against a guy that's, clearly tougher than you and bigger than you and two grades bigger and you know you just think about I'm going to go for his legs I'm going to do that you know and you have all these things that you have in your head and you know and then just years later you're in a dress room going okay well then I'm going to take you down and I'm going to you know it's (laughs) you know it's it's really not something that um, you know I didn't just fall into wrestling I think I was aimed right into it and uh, it's funny how many as I get older now when I look back on it reflect on old memories and stuff but uh, and I wouldn't change anything. You know, I love all of it. It's a great, great, great. It was a great life, and still is being Bret Hart. Thank you so much for taking the time to share, for inviting uh, inviting me and us into your home and sharing for the Ed Whalen Project. Uh, I've been a fan pretty much as as long as uh, as long as I can remember. So it's a real honor to be here and getting the chance to meet you. Well, I'm happy to anything for for Ed Whalen and uh, and know me and the whole family. And you know they're like family to me, so I'm happy to be part of anything that uh, is good for them. Well, thank you so much. Okay, and I hope you've enjoyed this episode of A Story Not Forgotten. If you have, make sure to head over to iTunes or the Google Play Store, hit that subscribe button so that you never miss a future episode. While you're there, we would really appreciate it if you left us a rating or a review. The more of those we have, the higher we'll appear in the search results, allowing us to find more guests and bring more stories to more of you. If you have a story that you'd like to share, reach us at capturinglegacies.com and we'll get you on the show. And until next time, remember, everybody's got a story to tell, and it's time to tell yours. 